My name is Lucretia Bell, and I'm from originally Pearl, Mississippi, and I have lived in Terry for about a little over 30 years now. I just want to say hallelujah this morning. This praise team is awesome. I'm just so impressed with this praise team. And as I walk in, I remember the first time I walked into this sanctuary, it did not look like this. God has used you and has blessed you, and oh my goodness, I'm just wowed, wowed. And y'all are so blessed, you've got a big children's ministry. Do you know what that means? It means this is a growing church. When you have children, you have a future, and God has future plans for this church and future plans for your children. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all say it with me. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. No matter what your circumstances are, God is good all the time. I just want to stop and just pray a moment and welcome him in to what I have to share this morning. Jesus, Lord, I just breathe and just breathe you in. Lord, I pray that I am behind the cross this morning, that your people see your heart and your love and I just take the liberty that you have given me as being your ambassador to bind anything that is not of you this morning and to loose your resurrection spirit to loose your giftings of healings and to loose your love this morning into this place Jesus and Lord we thank you because you are and we praise you because you are worthy of being praised Jesus it's in your name amen when I was a young child, my parents divorced, and they were not Christians, but I had this sweet neighbor that took my sister and I to church every Sunday, and it was here as a little girl that I began hearing about the love of Jesus. I learned about how God created this universe, how God created this world, and how God created man, and God created man to have fellowship with him, and God created this world so beautiful with all the colors and all the noises of the animals for us to enjoy. But then disobedience came into the world. Sin came into the world. And God in his perfection could not look upon sin. But he had a plan. He sent his son Jesus into this world to be a covering for our sin so that we could maintain that fellowship with him once we asked Jesus to become our Savior. So at the age of 13, I asked Jesus to become my Savior. But what happened was, I didn't ask him to become Lord of my life. So as those teenage years went on, I kind of wandered away from God. I didn't fellowship with him. But when I became pregnant with my first child, I realized I needed Jesus in my life. I, couldn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't do this alone. I needed to do it with him. So I began going to church every Sunday. I began reading this word, his word, every day. I began applying it to my life. I had to change some friends, and I made new friends with other women who were wanting to walk the same path with the Lord as I was walking. When I was 35 years old, I went on this um, ladies' retreat. We were out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, I felt the love of Jesus for the first time in my life. Now, I had been serving him for about 15 years at this point, but I was serving him out of obedience. 
But then I began serving him out of love because I really realized he loved me in truly that sacrifice that he made for me. That's what he wants from you here today is to experience his love, his true love, because he loves each and every one of you with a love like you just cannot fathom. Um, when I turned 40, for the next period of about eight years, my world was rocked. My husband left God. He left the ministry. He left his family. My youngest daughter got on drugs. She became pregnant. Amongst all this, the business I had worked with for 18 years shut its door, so I was without a job, and by this point had taken custody of two grandchildren. So nothing in my world was stable, was normal. I had a choice during that time. Would I just decide to numb everything, or would I choose God? I remembered when God had been faithful to me over those years, so I chose God. What did I choose to do? I chose to dig in his word. I chose to remember his faithfulness. I chose to go to church. I chose to live life and hold my head high and not in shame. I chose to allow my church family to love me. If you do not have a church family, join this church family. Let them love on you. Because you know, in Ephesians 6, it tells us that we need to put on that full armor of God because the day of evil will come. It doesn't, that's my little paraphrase. It doesn't say if the day of evil will come. It says when it comes. And it's going to come, and I'm here to tell you it's going to be normally more than just one day. For mine, it was about an 8 to 10-year span of days. But what do you do? Because Satan's come to kill, steal, and destroy you and your family. But you've got to stay glued in to the Lord. You've got to just hang on to him. You've got to daily touch that robe of his garment because he's there for you. I learned during that time that he was my provider, that I could trust him. He, I could trust to be everything that I needed. What the enemy wanted to use for the worst season of my life ended up being the best season of my life. It was me, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit and my grandchildren. So I spent a whole lot of time in this word. And as I was reading his word, the Holy Spirit began to teach me so much about himself. I came from a different background where we didn't learn a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. But he began to teach me stuff that I didn't know. And I'm like, whoa. He began to open my eyes. He taught me how to worship. He taught me how to truly worship the Lord. And as he taught me these things, I received the baptism of his Holy Spirit. Then, boy, did that open up a whole new world of scripture to me and a new world of living, a new way of believing that the authority that Jesus says we have, I believed I had it. I believed everything this Bible said from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelations, sometimes even those maps there. I knew, I knew the truth. I had, the Holy Spirit showed me the truth. So no matter what your circumstances are, don't let the enemy kill, steal, and destroy you because God's got something good for you. Oh, I've been done, got all sidetracked here. <laughs> There's just so much good in this word here. But you, let me tell you what else happened. I saw 
the Lord do some supernatural things. One morning, my granddaughter came up to me, and she was like six, and she said, Lala, that's what they call me is Lala. She says, I don't have, my pants are too short. And I said, well, baby, it's all we can do is pray because I don't have any money. I'm here to tell you, we got home, and there was three bags of clothes sitting on my porch. Hallelujah. And to this day, I do not know who they come from, but my little granddaughter, she knows to pray, and she knows God will answer her prayers. And it was also during this time, I had a tornado come through and hit our place. But praise the Lord, the trees fell away from my grandchildren's bedrooms. I had checks come in the mail. Just out of the blue, checks were coming in the mail. I mean, stuff I had never experienced before. My vehicle broke down. God sent provision for me a vehicle. It was just crazy. It was like the best days amongst the worst days. And when you cling to God, that's how good he is because he wants good things for his children, just like we want good things for our grandchildren. But most of all, he's the God. He's a restorer. He restores some things in ways that we don't see that he will restore them. But during that time, it's when I came into contact with the Ministry of African Children Outreach. And it just really tugged at my heart. And I'm like, Lord, what can I do to help this ministry? But it was four years before he answered that prayer. Four years. It was in my heart. And I kept praying and praying. But, you know, sometimes he waits because he has to prepare us. Sometimes he waits because it's not what he intends for us at that time. And it may not be that he just redirects during a period of waiting. But it's, sometimes we always have to wait. So don't get frustrated in the wait. So anyhow, God is our restorer. But as I come four years later to begin doing some bookkeeping and secretarial stuff with ACO, the Lord decided to stretch me. I don't like to be stretched. I do bookkeeping. It's all black and white. But he began to stretch me, and I said, okay, Lord. Well, then, six years later, he decided to stretch me a whole lot more. Back in uh, August, he called me to be full-time as a missionary. I'm like, okay, I am 52 years old. Uh, how's this going to work? And um, so I said, okay, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I said, where, what am I going to do? Am I going to serve with African Children Outreach? Am I going to live here? Am I going to live in Africa? Am I going to go to Turkey? My brother was a missionary in Turkey. So I had all these unanswered questions, but he wouldn't tell me. So what did I do? I laid that fleece out before him. And between August and November, he began opening doors that only he could open. But little did I know, well, he, he gave me this two-year plan and I felt like this plan was going to prepare me for complete surrender to him. But in November, the week before Thanksgiving, the Lord told me he wanted to implement that complete surrender now. I'm like, Jesus, you have never worked fast in my life before. Now? <laughs> and he wouldn't tell me where I was to go. He wouldn't answer all those questions that I had. I felt like Abraham in Genesis when the Lord said, pack up and leave and I'll tell you on the way. That's what I felt like. So I had to fully surrender to him. But once I did that, he began showing me bit by bit um, what I was going to do. And then what happened? Fear. Fear decided to come in. 
I'm like, what? And it consumed me. I mean, people talk about being in bondage to something. The fear consumed me for about three weeks there. And finally, one Sunday morning, I said, enough is enough. So I got up, and I sat in my den, and I just began to worship and pray. And that song, No Longer a Slave to Fear, boy, I had it playing, and I'm not a singer, Brother Dexter sat by me this morning. He can testify to that. But I just sang that song over and over and over and over and over. And you know what? I was determined. I was not getting up from that spot with the Lord until that fear was gone. And by 10:15, it had left. And I heard Jesus say, get up and go to church. And I'm like, Lord, church starts in 45 minutes. I haven't had a shower. I'm 30 minutes away. How's this supposed to work? But I was obedient. Then I felt like Joshua because I got to church and the first song was playing. So I felt like the Lord had just stopped time that morning for me. And I just walked in praising him that morning. So I get out and I'm feeling good. Well, guess what? About a day later, a spirit of poverty tried to settle in, saying, how are you going to live? How are you going to survive? How are you going to pay your bills? And I began to think about that so it tried to settle then the Lord said oh what I didn't say earlier is that during that years of junk the Lord gave me a bookkeeping business so the Lord said didn't I not give you that bookkeeping business am I not your provider he said do you not think I'm going to provide but see I'm that bookkeeper I'm used to numbers I know what numbers look like and in my bookkeeping brain there was no way for this to happen but I said yes Lord I trust you I trusted you then, and I'm going to trust you now. So I did. So I laughed off that distraction of poverty, and I moved on my little merry way. So I'm here to tell you, y'all take authority of whatever the enemy tries to throw at you. God has given us, whose are his children, the power and the authority to cast that stuff off. So use your authority and your boldness that the Lord has given you, and trust him in that. My daughter and her husband, they've been restored to God. They have been restored to each other. They have been restored to their children. They are helping others come out of that bondage of addiction and leading them to the way of the Lord. My marriage was not restored, but God did such a restoration in me with my marriage to him, the great I am, that I may not have ever known during that time. Now, my youngest daughter, I'm still praying for her because, you know, when sin comes into parents' lives, it affects our children, and so even into adulthood. So I am claiming those scriptures that God has given me over her over the years, and I am praising the Lord for the day when she's going to be serving him, and we're going to be serving him together because I know that day is coming. Now, if you'll put up that picture for me, this is Solange. She's one of the reasons that I'm doing what God's calling me to do. Um, she was a little girl when African Children Outreach first started feeding children in 2007. And then there's another picture of a young man. His name is Ali. Ali was one of those children as well. Now they serve Jesus in their local church. They are part of a praise team that is sharing the love of Jesus all over Rwanda. And they come back and they help minister to the children in the feeding program. ACO is making a difference. And I want to continue to be part of making a difference. When I went to Burundi three years ago, I was so overwhelmed with all the poverty. Last year, Burundi was listed as the hungriest 
the poorest and the most unhappiest nation in the whole world. There is so much despair there. We were riding down the road. I did a lot of praying as we were riding because they they don't use red lights and they don't use stop signs. They just drive everywhere and they have potholes that are as big as craters. We think Jackson has potholes. They don't have nothing on the potholes that are in Burundi. So I would pray as I was driving, riding, and, and I was looking out the window this particular day and just looking at all the despair that we were passing by. And I said, Lord, why don't you do something? And he said, I am. I'm sending you. I was like, whoa. And then a heavy burden fell on me. And I carried that for a little while until I realized God did not give me that burden. That was his burden to carry. He just wanted to use me to be, as a vessel to be his hands and his feet. And then I remembered when my neighbor would take me to church and I learned about the missionaries all over the world. And it was Africa that always tugged at my heart. And here God was restoring that calling he had given to me as a little girl. God calls most people as children, but we get distracted by things of the world, by life. Who of you did he call as a child and life has distracted you and you've not fulfilled that calling or you have forgotten about it? Ask God, ask him to remind you of his calling. He tells us, we have not because we ask not, that's in John 16, but he's not saying, ask me for like a genie in a bottle. He's saying, ask me for things that you want to do that's going to glorify me and I'll give you your answers. So I challenge you to ask him, Lord, did you speak to me when I was a child and I have forgotten it? And if he doesn't give you that answer, say, okay, Lord, here's where I'm at. How can you use me today? How can I be a witness at my school or my workplace? He'll give you the answers. Because sometimes we're in places we don't want to be. But when you ask him, he'll tell you why he's got you there for this season. And I stand before you now at the beginning of this new walk, this new season in my life that Jesus calling me to Africa and to the children there. If you'll show me the next picture. This is the real reason why I'm answering this call. If you'll see... Um, the little girl is the oldest. She has um, some mental disorders. And the oldest boy, his name is Sammy, and that's Sammy's two little brothers. I met Sammy when I went to Africa in November. Sammy is 11. That's their house you see behind them. Their house is about the size of a closet. It has a twin-size mattress, a little table. It has um, a boiler and a plate. That's their home. Sammy's father left a couple of years ago. Well, back in June, Sammy's mom decided she couldn't handle the responsibilities. People over in Rwanda may make a dollar a day, but ACO is there seeing that these children get a lunch every day. This is why I am so willing to give up the things of the world and everything that this world has to offer so I can go help Sammy and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more children that are there like Sammy. And I had to leave and I had to come home and I had to be able to open my refrigerator and have food in my refrigerator, you know? And it's, 
I don't understand, but God knows. So I'm going to be obedient and try to help as many more people because I can't go to Africa and tell them about Jesus if I don't feel their stomachs because they're not going to hear me and they're not going to understand that Jesus loves them. So as a missionary, as Pastor said, um, I'm going to be training, equipping, and training teams to go to Rwanda. I'm going to uh, be um, organizing with churches to help raise funds so that we could buy more food for more children, to help feed more children. I'm going to begin to help individuals learn how to make disciples that make disciples. I'm going to speak at ladies' groups and other groups upon request to help them with the tools that I learned of how to walk by faith and not by sight. I know I gave you a lot of personal information here this morning. I had this Made my testimony sound so sweet, but yesterday the Lord changed that. He said, no, somebody here needs to hear all the hurt, all the wounds, but they need to see my glory, how I love you, how I care for you, how I can handle all things that you bring before me. Jesus loves you, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your situation is. Cling to him. He is there and he wants to help. I shared with you some of the miracles that he did in my life. Now I want to share with you um, a miracle that Jesus did when he walked this earth. If you will turn to me to Matthew 14, 13 through 21. This is the miracle of where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now this particular um, miracle is listed in all four Gospels. And I'm going to share with you part of another Gospel. And because it's a little different... And it's different, not because the word is in error, but because the Gospels are the eyewitness accounts of some of the disciples. So therefore, just like if you and I witnessed an accident, I would see something different than what you would see. And so therefore, this is the way, what the things that they saw. If you'll read with me now. Where do I put my glasses here? This kind of helps a little bit. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Now he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. At the beginning of this um, parable here, or I mean of this miracle here, Jesus was, had, was withdrawing to a, um, a desolate place. He had just found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, had died. So he was sad. We are assuming that he was going to the Father to pour his grief, to pour his mourning out upon the Father because in, the, um, in other scriptures, when he withdrew to a solitary place, he was going to talk to the Father so he could pour whatever was going on to the Father, so he could get his strength from the Father. 
But this shows us if Jesus was upset because his cousin had died, shows us Jesus was a man. That was Jesus part of being a man. So he can experience everything that we experience here because he was man. But then it said he, he saw the crowd, he heard the crowd. He had compassion on the crowd. So he got up from where he was in all his grief and come to minister to the people. Sometimes life throws stuff at us and we just have to leave it right there and continue and to look at others. When we look at others and we try to help them and minister to them, it helps our pain ease up a lot. And then sometimes it keeps us from wallowing in that pit of despair and that's not a place we need to be. So we need to look when we're in, in something not good at how we can help minister to others. And then it said, when the evening came, the disciples, they said, Jesus, send the people away. Send the people away. Wonder why. Is that sometimes how we are? We come to church, but we don't want to look at the hurting person in front of us or beside us. We don't want to look at the hurt in the world. We don't want to talk to the hurting person that's in the Walmart line that's being rude, probably because they're hurt about something. No, we don't want to be bothered with it because it may take up some of our time. So think about that. Let's don't be like the disciples. Let's help others. Be willing to help others. And now let's look over at John 6, 5 through 9. This is John's account of what happened, his eyewitness account. And I'm just sharing you this part that's a little different. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Why do you think Jesus singled Philip out? Was Philip's faith weak that day? Did Philip need to be aware his faith was weak? Are we like that sometimes? Philip had just seen him do all these miracles. He'd seen him heal all these sick people. Do we forget the things Jesus has done for us before? No matter how faithless we are, he is always faithful. Stop and think of a time in your life when you were faithless and Jesus was faithful. Thank him for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's look at Andrew. Andrew had faith. Andrew brought him those fish and loaves. He didn't know what Jesus was going to do, but he knew Jesus could and he knew Jesus would. So what about us? Do we have that kind of faith? Do we bring our problems to the Lord? Do we bring our family's issues to the Lord, our friends' concerns to the Lord? Do we have faith that Jesus can and Jesus will do something about those? Do we have faith to know that he can do a miracle in our life when everything seems hopeless? Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our faith. The Bible tells us that the bread was barley bread. Barley represents, um, it was the food that the poor people ate. Jesus don't care if you're rich. He don't care if you're poor. He just wants to use what you have. 
And he just wants to use you. That's all. I can see that little boy coming up there with that big old grin on his face as he's bringing his fish and his loaves. He was coming to give, smiling, happy about it. Do we? Do we come and bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord with a smile on our face? Or do we do it on me? Do I really need to give my offering today? Do I really need to give my tithe today? Do I really need to give my time to volunteer today? I really had rather be sitting on that pew and just sitting there listening to pastor this morning. Jesus wants us all. He wants us to be a blessing. Y'all have so many volunteers here. Thank you for volunteering your time to the Lord. You will be blessed for that. Blessings come. When we bless others, blessings just come our way. I can't explain it. It's just the way God works it. Now, I'm not saying go out and be a blessing so you can receive a blessing. That would just be wrong. But let the Lord give you blessings. Sometimes the Lord tries to bless us and we don't want to receive that blessing. Our pride will get in the way. If God wants to use someone else to bless you, bless, receive it. Acknowledge that blessing. Give God the glory for it. If Jesus had not fed them, if he had listened to the disciples and they went off to that faraway village, remember they had been with him all day long, they'd not had anything, so they probably didn't have water, they may have passed out of exhaustion or whatever along the way. They may have died. Then what good would the word have God done if the people weren't there to live it out, to share it with somebody else? That's the same way with me and these children in Africa. What good's it going to do if I just go over there and tell them about the love of Jesus? I've got to put the action to it. I've got to bring them the food. I've got to fill their little hungry bellies when I go. You know, <laughs> Jesus could have rained down manna from heaven, but he didn't. He wants to use individuals like you and me. Some bring their offerings or their gifts, their possessions, their talents, and others distribute it. Jesus wants us to be his hands and his feet. He wants us to partake in what he's trying to do. Has he used you to perform a miracle this week? Have you allowed him to use you or your talents, your abilities to perform a miracle in someone else's life this past month, even this past year? He wants to use you. Can our praise team come back? Is Jesus calling you to know him as Savior? Is Jesus calling you for you to make him Lord of your life? It's when he becomes Lord that you begin to really experience his goodness. Is he calling you to surrender something? Do you have something you've just been holding on to that you don't want to give up? Is there a miracle that you need to be performed in your life where you've tried to do it all yourself or you've not had to have you've not had the faith to know that Jesus could handle your situation? These altars are open. Come pray. Come pour your heart out. Come worship him. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come worship him this morning. He wants to pour himself out onto you. If you've not felt his love in a long time, come pour yourself out and worship. Come praise him. 
He created you to praise Him. Your praise and worship is an offering unto Him. Know He cares for you. Know with a certainty that He loves you and He cares for you and He will work everything out for His good purpose if we will just stop and we allow Him to do that in our lives.